The following is a KPV MediaWorks production. Choose your fighter. We're on. We're here today with Camille. What is your gamer tag again? How do you pronounce it? Camioin. So C A M Y O I N. And well, how did that come about? So hopefully I can explain it without being confusing. Well, it's pretty simple. So my actual name is Camille. Don't call me that unless you're a close friend. Otherwise, you call me Cam or Cammy. But um, I've always been a JoJo's fan for a long time now. Kakyoin is my favorite. JoJo's um, Bizarre Adventure, right? Yes, exactly. You could you could say I you know I vibe with him. I feel his energy, and you know, Kakyoin, Cam Yoin. It just kind of happened, and the rest was history. So, and I've kept it for. Man, I've been going by that for almost like 10 years now, so. Is that how long you've been inside the fighting game community? Well, competitive. How long have you been a competitive gamer, if anything? Okay, Let's so. Let's start with that. Competitively for fighting games, I would say. I have to think back on that because it's been a second now. Shoot, like, Excellent Avengers was still a thing, like an earlier thing when I was, like, starting to get into this. Um... I wasn't an 09er. I won't, or was I? Could I consider myself an You know, it's starting to That's a bad to term, isn't it? It's a term. I don't know. Bad, good. People can think what they want about it. I don't really care. <laughs> like, I don't really like care. Me. Yeah, don't, don't come to me with anything or any BS and we're cool. I don't care. Well, what was the but, first game you considered yourself competitive at? What was the first video game? Did you have to go to an event to consider yourself, oh, I'm a, I'm a competitive gamer now? I or did you have competitiveness with some siblings or so? I wouldn't say that. If we're going to talk strict competition, fighting games or not, it's, it's always been a competitive household I grew up in. Whether we were playing board games, whether it was Mario Party, Mario Kart, anything. It was like if you weren't winning, you were losing. That's, so. that's, that's called having multiple siblings. <laughs> Call having a petty family, man. Yo, you're not here to be happy or have fun. You're here to lose and learn a lesson. But um, so it started out with that. So I guess since I was very young, like literally single digits, um, competition and viewing that as something positive and that pushes you has always been a part of my life. When it came to fighting games, I got into them mostly because of um, it's it's so cheesy, but it's an important thing to me because of excellent adventures. <laughs> It was funny, and I started appreciating fighting games more, so I started branching out, learning more than just watching that. Excellent Adventures. What is that? Again, I've been out of the FGC for the loop for a long time. Okay, well, this was, is, that I, was around for a are long time. Are we talking time. about the uh, podcast with the two guys out of California, or is this some kind of anime yeah, with, I've with never heard no. of? <laughs> it, it was with Gutex and Mike Ross. Okay, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, I heard of them. I think I only saw two episodes. Oh my Great gosh. job, guys. <laughs> I wasn't a return customer, sorry. Oh my goodness, but yeah. Um, well, that's pretty cool. That got you into the FGC? I started with uh, Street Fighter. I still love Street Fighter to this day. Street the Fighter 4? Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, despite its ups and downs and some of the confounding decisions Capcom makes, like it's as a series at its core, I still have a lot of love for that game. I don't think I could ever say like, I hate it or I'm just never going to play it again or what. I just could never. I just could never. Um, well, the game 
basically revitalized the fighting game community, introduced it to a whole generation of players, yourself included. Yep, Street Fighter and 4. trust me, exactly. I know a lot of people hate the game. Oh, it's not their strike. Let's stop being nostalgic, please. You know, Yo, that, you that's, wanna... that's, that's just my opinion on it. Yo, I've, you want to hear my opinion it. on it? Please, by all means. That's what we're here for. I don't even like Third Strike, dog. I really don't. I don't enjoy playing it. None of that. I like watching it. I like people who play it. Like, it's no diss on the game technically at its core. But for me, it's not fun. It doesn't feel right. I'd rather play Street Fighter 4 any day over Third Strike. Well, you, you say you were watching Excellent Adventures and that got you into the FGC. What was it about Excellent Adventures that you said, you know what, let me let me go out, see if I could find an event. Be it, Was it a local? Was it a, a regional? What was your first experience? V so... When it comes to kind of like what took me from just being like a player at home, even though, um, good friend, at Air Juggle, uh, follow him. He's amazing. He was actually my first ever mentor when it came to learning Street Fighter. Uh, he's a Rose main. I don't know if he still is. I was a Rose main. <laughs> so, um, you know, we just jived and he was, uh, if I remember correctly, also a Delawarean. I'm born and raised in Delaware. So um, that just worked out. But I started making friends. Twitter obviously was a big thing for me. I got on Twitter, started taking that seriously, um, just branching out into all my different hobbies, you know, making friends. Started making friends with people in the FGC. Um, ended up meeting someone who would become uh, my boyfriend later on, who was a big fighting game player. So that's really where, because I had a significant other that was like actually competitive and went, it, and went to tournaments and majors and stuff with it, that sucked me into it that little bit more so what's the delaware fgc like at least back then when you lived um in delaware shoot hardly anything well you see delaware is so small we kind of didn't have really our own thing that stood out if you wanted to go somewhere i mean philly's right there mm -hmm. it's literally like 30 minutes away 30 45 depending on where you're living in newcastle county but it's like if you wanted to go somewhere it's not like it was far it just wasn't in delaware proper um so, you know, there is a decent commute to anywhere. Like, even if you wanted to go to a bit like a New York event or something, I mean, it's not like New York's all that far away. It's like two and a half, three hours. So if you're going to stay there a second anyway, it's worth it. You just drive there, drive back. Um, or so take what was the, train the big first, like the, what was the first big event you attended? Because you did say, oh, <laughs> Evo, considering Philly's yep. right there, no big events for you right off the bat, just to no. get a, just to get a feeling of how the scene is? Because I didn't know anyone like that first, but also remember, like I said, I had my significant other. Um, Jojo, it was 801 underscore Jojo at the time. He's a great guy. Follow him. Super cool and fun to talk to. One of the sweetest dudes alive. But, um, you know, we were dating and our first meetup ever seeing each other, like not online or through FaceTime or whatever. Long distance. Was, yeah, it was a long distance relationship because he was in Utah. But um, we met at Evo, so. Evo what year? Gosh, I want to say it was 20. I want to say it was Evo 2016. Yeah, there's no way it could have been 2014. Was it was Evo his, 2016. Was that his first um, Evo event as well? No, I don't believe so. If I'm remembering that correctly, no. He had already been to one before that. Um. And they, they usually drive, six-hour drive, Utah, to 
Oh, that must be fun. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, you get sick of it kind of fast, but it's beautiful. And if you're around with friends, I mean, it kind of makes that worth it. So (laughs) So you decided to take the jump. You went to Evo. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about you get off the plane, you go to the hotel, and you see just this massive convention space of nothing but fighting game fans. And you're there for the first time. This is your first big event. What did you take in the first time you, you saw? Like, what, 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 what jumped out at you right off the beginning? Besides the fact that I'm here with a lot of people who share the same love and hobby that I have, which is fighting games. Right. So I'm a big extrovert. Um, and when I'm in a space that regards something I'm passionate about, that, that really shows. So um, the sounds hearing, because, you know, people are, people are playing fighting games. You're hearing, like, impact sounds and sound effects and stuff going on on, like, huge speaker systems. And, like, you can, like, feel it when someone gets counter hit or there's, like, you know, a, a super happens or something. You can feel the rumble in you. So actually, like, feeling the fighting games uh, being played physically via sound, that was something that stuck with me and has always stuck with me right away. And it's a inner tactile kind of feeling I've always enjoyed about going to big ma- majors, like feeling those sound waves like hit you. It's fun. I was talking to Parappa uh, last time, episode two, and that was one of the things he told me about. He's been to a couple of Evos, and he says just being a spectator, hearing all these sounds, it really is a special feeling because you know what's going on. You're not the actual competitor. Right. But it's just it's just a feeling you get, right? Yeah, it, it, it's... <laughs> made my hair stand up like in a really good way and then of course seeing people yelling and just how packed it is it's it's invigorating if you're an extrovert and you're someone that likes crowds and talking and seeing and making eye contact with people it's just it's invigorating so um the crowds and the sounds definitely were the first thing i took in it wasn't even necessarily the games themselves it was more like the environment so and then being in vegas i mean oh it's vegas that was that was my first time in vegas did you was there a jojo's um tournament there did you if there was did there let me see this was some time ago there might have been as far as like old school games go i really don't remember and i was not that good at jojo's uh at that time anyway so it didn't matter if there was there was i wasn't part of it it didn't compete so and if it was it was like uh it was like a side game somewhere else or in someone's room you were taking it all in it's like wow i actually made my way out here i want to take this all in that that was what you were more shooting for i think i did compete though i want to say i competed in did i play tekken You have to understand, this was some time ago. That's understandable. <laughs> I played something. I competed in both the Evos I went to and did better than I thought I was going to do. So, What was the other Evo that you attended? Happened. The one right after it was 2017. Yep. I feel like I really got in two years where it was pretty good. And I or was that the peak? Mean, that was definitely the peak. Or anything before that, I'm, there was people going. But, you know... <laughs> Well, you get back home, you get on the plane. Well, did you make a lot of new friends there? Did you find a lot of people with the same interest as, you know, let's keep in contact. Let's, uh, uh, let's play online. Let's, let's maybe put together something. Did you meet any Delawareans there? that were into fighting games as much as you were? Oh, hell no. So (laughs) it's hard to meet a Delawarean period, but, um, I did meet a lot of new friends. And I also got to see for the first time, a lot of faces that I had never seen or 
even known outside of like Twitter. Oh, you're so, putting a, you're finally yeah, putting a face like, to the name. I'm so, it's so, oh my gosh. And it's like, oh, it's so good to finally meet you and hugging and stuff like that. Um, the only other Delawarean or any person who's ever lived in Delaware who's played fighting games with me, I know, uh, like I said, Air Juggle and Sonic Fox. Oh, so, Sonic Fox is from Delaware. Yeah, I do. I do believe so. He was either born, like, D- Delaware's home state or he lived there for a time. Well, you, when you got finally out of EVO and you came back home, what was the next event you attended? I'm assuming one of the Philly majors? No, actually. Um, I didn't start attending East Coast majors until I came back onto the East Coast. The next major event I went to after that, well, I went to Utah events. There was a few that went on there, smaller scale, like really like local things. Oh, did you um, go and... Did you go and decide to stay with your significant other in Utah? Is that yeah. what happened? I, I uh, flew out to, to move. Eventually, it did, it did turn into moving and staying. But the next big event I went to, it was a Colorado one. Um, met some faces there. Jamal Ryudo, Kendra's from Colorado. Just the Colorado crew in general is amazing. Um, and it was one of their, like, charity events. Pretty big. I forget the name of it. I, I feel like such a bad friend, but, um, you know, with everything that's been going on and I haven't been there in a while, it's just something that's kind of I've put to the back burner. But it was amazing. It was amazing. And um, great venue. They were super hospitable, just like Colorado was. Well, you lived, well you, lived, you lived on the East Coast and you moved out to the, that's the, the Midwest, I'm assuming. Right? Yeah. Yes. Compare both scenes. Obviously, the East Coast is, well, as they call it, the Beast Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Midwest. Explain that. Explain that scene for a lot of people who have maybe never been there. Why is it so condensed and small? Is it because, is it just because there's no major cities that there is, there is enough people out there to put together something on the scale that we see here i'm sure there are i would say a bit it has to do with the like if we're going to talk about g uh like geography the size of the states population um density and then also if you look at what states uh like make up the midwest not only do you have population density and size to deal with so like getting anywhere is either it's not worth it to fly or you can't fly or you have to make a super long drive and not everyone can do that. Not everyone has the car to do that or the money or whatever. And without going political, because I don't want to get there, you have to look at like demographics of the Midwest, how many people are versus aren't going to be into competitive fighting games, especially with as diverse as they are. So I think that's why there's demographic and geographic reasons why it's just not as strong um as the east coast but that's been changing you see now there's a ton of midwest um events or like yeah midwest adjacent events combo breaker is one of the largest ones ever you talk about majors that's usually one of the first ones off people's tongues you know is combo breaker so you know even a few years ago like several years ago a handful or so things were different and you if you look now you know pre-covid uh Things made a big leap in like four to five years. Things yeah. developed fast. I asked because the only scene I knew out there when I was playing Mortal Kombat 9 was uh, GGA Arcade, uh, Galloping Ghost Arcade. And those guys were able to put a few small tournaments together where, for their standards, it was pretty big. 
and again, this is going on maybe five or six years ago when I was really into it. But it's good to hear that they have made a leap with Combo Breaker and, like you said, some other ones. So oh, you yeah. went from Utah. Where did you go next? To New York? Yep. Next level? What's your what's your base of operations, if you want to call it That's that? That's where I went a lot. Well, I was there a lot until um, kind of my new career I'm doing now with, like, makeup and working for movies and stuff kicked in. So that takes a lot of my time away from you know, devoting to fighting games. But while I had the time and I had the interest, I was there a lot. I like the Next Level crew. Um, a lot of them are my good friends. Incredibly welcoming. Um, I didn't feel different or shunned or anything. I never had to deal with any bullshit. Not that I would have, first of all. But I didn't even have to worry about it, like, at all. Um, one of the best places I've been with, like, Sometimes the shit you hear online about this and that and attitudes and I'm not saying that's completely like not true at all. There's always people with attitudes or like talking shit for some weird reason. It doesn't matter. But like as far as the general scene for next level and like my time there, it was a good time. (laughs) You said, you know, some people have some bad attitude towards next level. And I've heard that myself. I've only ever been out there twice. When um, KOF-13 arcade cabinet was out there. It was the only KOF-13 cabinet uh, in in this area that I know of. But why do people have that impression on Next Level? Either because they had a bad experience, which I don't want to invalidate, but they're letting um, one bad experience paint, like, the whole group and people they've also never met or weren't even there that day. Or they're, like, super, super soft and sensitive. Like... Not like, oh, just like a good person and people are like, oh, that you're you're being a decent human being, so you're soft. I mean, like, no, like they'll cry over anything or everything's in a front or attack to them. And they think because people are like loud and more abrasive and kind of rough there that it's like, oh, everyone's a jerk. Everyone's an asshole. That's not what it is that's at all. What, that's the FGC in general. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've never. I've never, I handle my issues. If someone, cro- if someone like steps in line with me, we're solving that. We're we're addressing that like right there. I've never had an issue outside of people just being pieces of shit themselves and not knowing how to talk to people, like them having a personal issue where anyone's really given me like any problem in the FGC. People talk about it's just rough and abrasive. I don't think it's rough and abrasive at all. I think most people are actually like very decent human beings. Either like decent or they think they're being rough and abrasive, but like no, they they lack any spine or they're, like they're for lack of better word they're just kind of whack and weak like i don't know i've never gotten the whole thing people acting tough over fighting games that like does not connect with me i like don't get it people literally start trying to be on some hood shit because they play tekken and i'm like what the hell does this got to do with each other like i'm not making the connection but no people are either whack really nice or if there are problematic people it's because it's not because of the scene per se it's because they themselves are like literal pieces of shit. Um, There's obviously things going on right now that's part of a wider systemic issue of society. But as far as FGC goes, it's another thing. I've enjoyed most of my time there despite some of the things that have not been so great. You know, it's whatever. (laughs) And some people are going to be like, damn, do do they care about anything? Is everything always just whatever with them? Yeah. Honestly, that's how I kind of feel about a lot of shit. I'm like, it's whatever. 
what's next level what's next level was next level excuse me the venue where you were introduced to vampire savior because everybody who knows you they know you more as a vampire savior player that's your game that's the one you love competing and is yes, that is that where you were heart. first uh introduced to the game like to the competitive scene proper, yes. Um, I was playing at home via. I, I got into VSAV because of Resurrection when it came out on PS3, the new collection. I was enamored. I was obsessed. I I don't know. I do know what drawed me, and it was like creepy, spooky, pretty pixel art, and creepy, spooky is my whole aesthetic. So I was um... gonna say Vampire <laughs> Saber or Darkstalkers, as I, I as I know it. By all means, it is basically Street Fighter with the classic horror um, theme, monsters, all that good stuff. And it, that, that, that's what it basically is, isn't it? I would say, like, as far... You can apply some some Street Fighter concepts to VSAV, but I would say it, 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 plays ve- it, it plays very different. I wouldn't compare it to Street Fighter, but... Um, what I would say is if you know the, the feeling of generally like old school games, you know, old head games, it's something that can quickly feel at home to a lot of people. It has an odd accessibility and familiarity to it, even if you've never played it before. If you've played older games, you can kind of get in, get settled in pretty easily and be like oh yeah this this feels comfortable at least that's what i found from people people have never played it before jump on and they're like hey i'm i'm starting to jive with this i'm like yeah it's just that's just how it works it's great (laughs) describe the vampire saver community to us some that maybe don't know it that well how would you describe them some of the best people i've ever met dedicated you have to be to keep this game going like like they have been like we have been and it for it to be growing too maybe not you know growing at exponential rates but numbers tend to trend up rather than trend down or just be at a constant plateau um dedicated enthusiastic kind helpful committed and just so ready to tell people about their game to bring the game to the forefront to not wait for other people to do it for them it's like you know if we want our game scene we're gonna do it ourselves hence my makai world cup <laughs> becoming they were like no one's gonna put our game on the front stage we'll just do it our damn selves and then vmp did in fact do it them themselves so like, who took it upon them well was there a certain person uh a person like that front center who who decided to take that route Listen, nobody's going to do it for us. Let's just do it ourselves. You know, a person that you could say organize the entire community, put them all together, and like, let's just do it. Could you attribute that to one certain person? Well, I'll speak for Makai because there's different um, VSAV scenes. You know, you have Canada scene. You have um, the Midwest slash, you know, Pacific Northwest. You have the East Coast. Um, There's different community managers for each regional scene and you know we usually all work together but then it's also kind of so small that it ends up not mattering too much except for really specific important things and then you know they're usually the de facto ones that sort that shit out but if we talk about makai um i i do believe i hope i'm not leaving any other name that was like really about it out um, I want to say that's the brainchild of Zach slash Alaris, um, one of the best cat players. 
in in America. So fucking annoying. <laughs> so if I get command grabbed one more damn time, <laughs> if I get reverse command grabbed one more time, I can't stand that shit. Well, I that gives you character. nightmares. Oh gosh, like I just I wanted to throw my stick, but I love Zach, <laughs> so I just hate cat. Now, what were you saying? The uh, Makai World Champ? Is that what it's called? The Makai World Cup? Yeah. How, explain how that goes around. Because like you said, it's a small group of people. Um, organizer here, organizer there. How, how did it come around? Like, again, like, how is it organized? Is it just maybe let's go to a big event here and the winner will get qualified into the world, into the world championship? Well, no. Do you have any international players come by for that? We have had international players come by, ones from Japan. Uh-huh. So uh, that's been a, a big a big thing. You know, we've always been kind of blown away that they've had, you know, we support them a lot. And the Japanese scene has always been ultra kind and supportive to us. When we were having oh my gosh i forget which one it which one it is you have to understand there's been some time between these things and then because i'm so kind of on and off within the fgc because of the other work i do things start to like blur together or i forget and i'll be like who was that or like what was that called i don't remember the fucking name but um fumiwo fumi um she's a really strong uh cat and dimitri player from japan and a personal friend of mine and a friend of many like, she's come over to New York to play V7 and, and spend some time. So we, we have a lot of friends in, in Japan. It's a very, like, supportive community Close at large. Um, when it comes to Makai, you know, Zach got that together. Like I said, I know it's like it was, like, a joint effort. But, like, as far as I know, like, that was his, like, main brainchild. Um, got that together. No, it was just an open thing. It was like, hey, it's just a VSAV tournament. That's what it's about. Come here. We'll see who wins. Have some casuals too. It's just it's just big visa major, our major. Um, oh, is it its own event, or do you guys go to something like a big uh, event or Evo and hold it on the side? What is it? Exactly? It's its own event. Oh, it is. So its own event. yeah, it's hosted in like a deserted mall, the deserted chateau, which is a, a stage in visa so it works out. But um. Go there, I love deserted play. malls. I've been there for a few arcade um, auctions. It's very creepy. Yo, the vibe <laughs> is, I I love that. I'm like, yo, I could just stay here, bro. Oh, like, yeah. let me just like kind of like renovate out one of these like places. Yo, like, throw me in there, man. <laughs> throw you, me in and there. You, people would be surprised how many abandoned malls there are in this country. People would be surprised. I watch a lot of them. Ab- abandoned mall or like closed down shops or urbex stuff all the time it's like just a weird obsession i have on uh on youtube yeah they really would be there's so much abandoned and closed down shit <laughs> in america <laughs> mostly because like hey they can't keep it open it's expensive so. and they eventually become ghost towns which mm-hmm. is another thing a lot of people don't know how many ghost towns there are in this country so um that was the first one uh how long have they been running now This was supposed to be year three, but COVID, you know, it it hit all of us. We're all we're on the same fucking boat. So, you know, it'll come about again. It'll be time to, you know, the clock keeps ticking. Time marches forward. You know, things will one day be back to some state of normalcy. But, you know, it's just riding it out till then. 
you know, we can complain about it or we can buck up. Now, you said about Vampire Saber, the reason why you love playing that game is the horror and I guess the lore yes. into it. You would say you love you love getting into that stuff. Why, when did you first realize this is what I love? This is the kind of stuff, the horror stuff. I mean, you're a big Beetlejuice fan. Oh, yeah. I just I just love horror and gore in in general, like outright. Um, Do you love love Mortal Kombat fatalities? Yes. Specifically, yes. Despite all the people who bitch and whine and moan about him, even though no one's forcing you to play the goddamn game. So you don't like looking at it. Look somewhere else. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Like I really don't know what to tell you. Like, it's too graphic and violent. And like, I don't know. But um, ever since I was very small, I mean, like very, very small, like four, five, started with watching my dad playing Resident Evil and being more enthralled and like right up to the screen and wanting to help than like being scared or whatever. I was like, oh, no, this this amuses me. <laughs> so uh, that kind of started it all. And I've, I've been obsessed with horror and film, TV, books, just like in general ever since it's always been something that gives me a lot of happiness and pleasure and imagination and everything rather than something that scares me i don't scare easily what's so. your favorite horror series video game series oh let's see um before it died and then subsequently is now like resurrected slash semi-resurrected um it's cliche but i feel it's a strong entry anyway silent hill is really up there um, especially the first four, like the numbered series four is my favorite. That might be a hot take to some people. That's awesome. If you don't like the game, don't play it. But it's uh, your favorite. That's all that matters. Exactly. Like shh, you ain't playing it. Jeez, how many? Alone. How many Silent Hill games have been made? I, I I quit paying attention after three. A lot. There's some actual like side titles that are actually really good, but there's a bunch of ones that are like super mediocre, and it's just that that IP turned into a mess a bit. But um, why is that production issues in Konami? I don't want to get too, too much into that. But, you know, Konami has mad issues, so they got mad issues. But whatever, that's a that's another that's a soapbox for a different day. Um, I'm a huge Dead Space fan. One and two. I don't fucks with three. That let me down so much. But one and two are like my whole heart and soul. I read the comics that came out for them. I bought those. The novels, I read both of those. I watched both the movies. I won a giveaway on, I don't know if anyone remembers 1UP and YouGo, like way back when, like 1UP.com and uh, like YouGo Play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Steve is nodding, everybody. I won. I won a Twitter giveaway. They're like, you win? Uh, so it was, it, it was. Um, well, for, what, what did the contest consist of? So they were giving away uh, Dead Space Aftermath on DVD. And um, it was to, you know, celebrate Dead Space 2 coming out. And it was a Twitter giveaway. And they were like, we're going to ask a question. And whoever answers it first on Twitter. And, you know, at this point, I'm already like, I take that shit so seriously. <laughs> like you, you were living on Twitter for for just waiting. It's like, come on, just give me the question. Facts. I, I, I know that I got the answer. And they're like, what is the name of the now derelict vessel that the first Dead Space took place on or whatever? And like, I, it had to be within half of a half of a second. I was like, you know, 
it was I talked about Dead Space so much like it auto corrected for it would like fill <laughs> auto fills like USG Ishimura and I got it and they were like you win and I was like yeah of course I know that like no one was gonna win before me like yeah that's a given <laughs> that's a competitive in you right so I, I have a picture I have a picture of me with uh this the Yugo sticker and and Dead Space when I was much younger I had to be like 16 or 17 at, at this time so like 10 years ago and I, I have me like oh I won it so just always a good memory for me <laughs> where you, you say you love Silent Hill were you ever part of the Resident Evil versus Silent Hill debates I loved them both so I didn't get that I was definitely like I don't know what we're arguing about they're they're apples to oranges they're different types of horror trying to accomplish different types of things so to compare them to one another is diminishing and mitigating both of them it's it's just it's just not a smart comparison it's it's really myopic actually so <laughs> yeah everybody should have that outlook just like you guys we it's the same genre we love it why must we fight amongst each other really there's like there's so many nuances of why to enjoy both if you don't whatever that's you but that doesn't inherently mean one is lesser but it's just it's it's just so sloppy i don't usually interact with people like that anyway if you're that narrow-minded we're typically not friends or in each other's follower list, so, you know. Is, are there some horror series you do not like? Um, yes. I think Outlast is absolute trash. What's it called? Outlast. Outlast Everyone Outlast. loves Outlast. that damn game. I think it's ugly, first of all. Not in a good way, because I like ugly things. Um, I think it's boring. I feel it's a little derivative. I get sick of the whole, like... Psycho asylum thing. Oh, mental health is scary. I'm like, as as someone with mental health issues, I'm like, it's just tired. And I just don't I in no way think it's scary. Not a jump, not a peep. It is the most but I, I don't I just don't get it. People love it, and if you love it, that's great. I just think it is absolute booty. So it's <laughs> if you like it and get scared of it at that, yo, you're weak. <laughs> yo, I'm telling you right now, you're weak. So <laughs> You say you love ugly things. You like ugly things. What What do you mean? Explain that one to us. I find, like, beauty and elegance and, and form and just, I guess I enjoy things in ways other people typically wouldn't. Like, I'll be, like, I'll see, like, you know, like, oh, necromorph concept designs from, like, Dead Space or whatnot. And I'll be like, oh, that's beautiful. Like, look how gorgeous that is. And people are like, is that the word you really, I mean, that's cool. That's good art, but gorgeous. I'm like, yeah. But if you see what I do in my everyday work with, like, you know, blood and gore and doing makeup and, and all that, that is that is where I find art and beauty. So it's just an eye of the beholder type of thing. That's Yeah, that's always been an argument with, even outside video games, where you get some people, well, this is true art. What you do over there, that's just ugly. That's never going to make it to a museum. But they just don't understand people have different tastes. Exactly. In video games, everybody has different tastes in video games. I like Mortal Kombat 9. Somebody likes Street Fighter 4. I'm cool with that. Regardless, we're both playing fighting games. I don't need to look deep into it. And choice should exist. The uh, Taking away choices and options I've never found to be something like... Uh, just because you don't like something doesn't mean it shouldn't exist. Obviously, if you take anything to any extreme you can always create an exception that people will try to paint as the rule there are exceptions but those exceptions generally speaking are never the rules and as much so. as some people like the media age the information age mm -hmm. how much information we could get through our phones i think one of the beautiful things about it it lets you connect with people who have your same your same likes as you 
Yo, like, big me- facts. I and that's exactly what I I use it for to find like minded people or at least people that can understand or engage and discuss with me in a way that actually holds some merit or intelligence to it. Um, if I'm going to argue or debate, I don't want to argue or debate in bad faith. I don't want it to turn into ad hominems, personal attacks, straw man arguments or anything like that. And I welcome differing opinions as long as you can logically reason and entertain me. I, I love a good debate. I live for that shit. Um, and that's what, you know, the internet lets you do. And I can curate my space. If I don't like someone or whatnot, I can block them. That's the beauty of it. Exactly. People are like, don't block. That's a bitch move. Who's going to tell me not to? I, I'll, I'll block and unblock whoever you want if you pay me. Until then, t- shut the fuck up about what I do on my if, own page. If you pay me, so you're going to get sponsored by Yo, Bloxaros, you know, Norton. Facts. Like, people are like, you should do this or don't tweet this. Or when I'm tweeting Gore, retweeting Gore, some people like, don't do this. You shouldn't do that. da 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 Write me that check. I'll tweet whatever you want, however you want. Pay me. My account's yours. Until then, I tell people all the time, like, yo, if there's some stuff you don't like, mute my terms. I will try to term things. I don't do it all the time, but I try to meet somewhere in the middle where if you don't like certain things, you can mute it so you're not seeing stuff that might, like, trigger you or make you feel a certain way. But, like, you can just mute me in general, too. Or you can unfollow me. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not here for you. I'm here for me. <laughs> well, you're an artist. You Like you say, you, you say you draw some gore stuff. That's what you're into. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of the debate that's been going on for the last, I want to say 10 years, maybe 12? Video games now are being looked at as art, not just these things where people mindlessly drone on. I, I love that game, Fez. But if yeah. there's one thing about Fez that I loved... I could literally just stop and just admire this thing. It's like another game I used to do that with was uh, Enslaved Odyssey to the West. There were some, there were some. That game is beautiful. I love that game. Beautiful. The scene where you're on the, uh, I guess it was like a jet ski skateboard he has and that music is playing. I actually would spend hours just staring at this, this scenery. It's like, geez. I've never understood why people can see movies as art, especially CGI movies as art, understand that writing is art, that digital illustration is art, and be like, oh, video games aren't art, art." but people drew those, people animated those, people wrote for those, people voice acted those. They They contain every single facet of anything that's ever been art ever, and people don't want to consider them art. They, they are art. It's not art you always have to like, and some of the art's a little more highbrow than others. Art. Like, yeah, there's people want to be like, oh, if it doesn't meet this certain standard, it's not art. No, it's, it's all art. Creation, all of that is art. Is there a spectrum of that? Is there things that are maybe had a little more thought put into them than others? Yeah, but that's life. Is it? <laughs> it doesn't mean it's not art. I've always wondered why do people have that, that have that opinion? Is it because oh, this is something I did when I was a kid? Social I, bias yeah. about uh, uh, infantilizing it, I mean, making it about e-sports, children. Esports, everybody says, oh, it's getting big. It is. Um, they have it in some high schools. I mean, it's still a very minuscule thing within the world. Still, I mean, I remember when there were some channels dedicated to esports. And they went down under, like, in less than six months. Uh, yeah. Because I've always told people, nothing against it. It's just some people look at it. It's like, it's a waste of my time. It's also, that's the same argument a lot of people have with the whole video game is art. 
Is it just because people say video games aren't art, but then be like, look at that car. That's art. art. That's true craftsmanship. And I'm not saying it's not. No, I think cars are art and craftsmanship, too. Like, I'm not a even Ferrari, Lamborghini. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even throwing that away. But they'll look at the it's just it just comes down to biases. It's wrong. I will say I like to try to stay away from objectives. But I will say, like, anyone who thinks video games aren't art. You're objectively incorrect and not just out of opinion, but like everything already listed. There's there's. You know, qualitative and quantitative facts here that dis disprove that if that's your bias, fine, but it's a bias rooted in being incorrect. <laughs> like, I don't know what else way to tell you that you wrong. Like, that's it. That's like, that's so cool. You feel that way, but you're wrong. Um, you know, people and. Another thing people think in their waste of time, like the same people who say video games are a waste of time are people who will restore old car, polish that thing every day, every week, every weekend, never drive, drive it once. will like put in thousands of dollars into a car they're never going to drive. And they're like, oh, but that's a waste of time. And I'm like, okay. What was the first video okay. game that you thought to yourself? It's like, man, this is art. I love this. This is more than just playing a video game. I'm actually getting into this, the characters, the level design the just the immersive immersiveness in it my favorite of all time then uh mgs3 so metal gear solid 3 yep snake eater snake eater i own every metal gear game and every like reiteration or re-release of it i collect them <laughs> i'm very Ko koji was very like important to me um, but yeah, that would say MGS3. I definitely recognize the art in other games and always considered games art. That's always been something I've known since I was young. But the first one that truly like changed my life that made took me as I was before playing the game. And after I was done, it it changed my outlook and view on things. After I was done, done MGS3, like that's what that game did to me. So that game will always come to the forefront as like something that I think is like a, a true master class in games as art. That and Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> oh, I love Shadow of the Colossus. I'm not going to lie. I never actually beat that game for one simple <laughs> fact. I don't like the water. And that monster, that water boss thing, I just couldn't get there's past it. There's a couple. It. No, there's some I, I, ones scare that the scared hell out me. Of me. Yes. And, like, and mind you, I was like 26 when I played that <laughs> game, however it was. I just don't like the water. And it's just the way that game was built. It, it, I could get through the first few. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. It's a different take on the Zelda um, way of doing games. But then when I got mm -hmm. to that water monster, I just couldn't do it. It scared Yo, the hell out of so me. So funny thing about that game. So my mom has always been super supportive of me and gaming since I was young. I mean, since I was like in single digits, she uh, would buy me consoles, buy me games, was always so supportive. What's the first console you own? N64. Or that I that we had bought for for us, but um, SNES and Genesis and stuff was always exposed to us because my father had those. So um, my mom was super supportive. She loved Shadow of the Colossus, by the way. She loves watching me play that game to this day. Um, was your father a big gamer? Yes. Is he still a big gamer now? I don't know if as much now, purely because of time, but he he's definitely a game lover. Um, you know, if you don't have time, you don't have time. You can't make more of it. You got to priorities have to be priorities. Of course. But um, he's who got me into it. Yes. Uh, but my mom should watch me play 
everything. She'd get so involved. We'd talk about it. She'd egg me on the place. She's like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen next. Get on. Finish your homework or finish doing this or whatever so you can get on. I want to see. I want to see. She was so about it. Um, she would get me through tough spots if I was getting spooked, like with Shadow of the Colossus. Like, I won't get scared at Dead Space, but Shadow of the Colossus will spook me out. She'll be like, go, Camille, go, stop, stop, go, come on, I want to see. And I'm like, <laughs> Which monster scared you the most? So I have a few. Um, there was this, like, small, there was one that you had to, like, kind of, like, shoo away with fire. Fire yes. was a big thing. He gave me mad anxiety. He was just so aggro and small and would be, like, right up on you. I just don't like that feeling, stuff being, like, right up on you. Oh, and they get up in your face. You see those big yellow eyes. It's like, man. And they change color yes. from blue to orange. Yeah. And remember, their rock monsters come alive. It's like, geez. He was scary. Uh, the horse one that you had to run in those little tunnels, like, in that grassy place, and he would, like, look for you. I don't like shit looking for me. That was scary. The lizard one in the Coliseum. Yes. He was scary, but the one that, like, gave me the most anxiety was uh, the bearded one, and you had to climb up his beard, and he yes. would, like, get down, and, like, I, you were so close, and then you'd have to run at him because you had to jump on his beard. I was like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> it was so much anxiety. I was like, oh, I just want this to be over, please. <laughs> those, were, those were the four worst ones to me. <laughs> I like how, like, they give me, like, <laughs> legit, like, I'm like... Pause. I can't do this. I got to get a drink. <laughs> you say you're not in the FGC as much as you used to be because now you're doing makeup. You do it for some sets, some movie sets. Mm -hmm. How did you get into that? So I, I guess it goes without saying that obviously um, it was always like how they presented gore and makeup and character effects, you know, and stuff was always something I appreciated or found entertaining because I like film and I like horror and I like seeing how you can change someone's face and stuff like that. It wasn't until, let me think. It wasn't until, it might've just been a natural progression. It's, it's really odd because there was no point where I think like I saw someone or someone told me something and I was like, you know what? That's what I want to do. I think it was something that was just naturally always kind of part of me. And I didn't realize that it was something you could really do for a living if you pursued it hard enough. Um, I watched a, like, YouTube, like, docu, like, YouTube snippet on, like, you know, oh, how they do makeup for, like, the Avengers films and stuff like that. And I was like, huh, it, it, it kind of just made it click to me on like a background level more that like, oh my gosh, you can really do this. You can like, pursue it as a exactly, career. Exactly, exactly. Like this is a job you can have, a passion that you can make a career. And um, I was thinking, I was like, well, I already like gore. I'm not sensitive to any of that. It's like what I openly pursue. So, you know, one thing led to another, this, that, and the other. Um and I started practicing and I started getting better and I started doing hella research and spending money and investing my time and really doing the things you have to do. Reading books? To be, yes. It's like people are like, I'm just going to watch a YouTube video. No. There are re it, I, that's a whole nother. You know, there are things you could actually soapbox. become proficient just watching YouTube videos. There is a guy, it was on the news recently. He became very proficient at playing the guitar watching YouTube videos. Something like that, though. Yeah, that's it's so different. That's so it's totally valid, like, but also so, so very different. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of time and reading and kind of putting a lot of other shit you do on the back burner if you really want to take this to the level of being a professional on a set. And then not just being happy just being on a set. You know, I want to be a department head. I want to be a key. You know, I want to win an Emmy. I ha I don't just have a goal. I have aspirations. There's a difference to me between goals and aspirations. Um, just doing it as my career and doing it as my job isn't the final place for me. You know, I want to excel. I want to exceed. Um, the people I see uh, that I really look up to, Aaron Kruger McCash, V. Neal, Mike McCash, Joel Harlow, Greg Canham. Um, These are all people who are in that industry mm -hmm, already? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are what are kind of films that they worked on? V. Neal, everyone knows her mostly for her work. Hunger Games, Pirates of the Caribbean series, most of them anyway. Um, her first big film was Beetlejuice. Uh and she won her first Oscar for Miss Stoutfire. I love that movie. Yep. That, oh, what uh, kid didn't love that movie? The uh, foam latex prosthetics and look was done, applied by her, and she won her Oscar for that. So. Oh, sweet. Mm -hmm. And that's what you aspire to do? Yep. I'd love to be like my idols, but better. So people are going to have to pass on the torch anyway, so why should we just be complacent and passing on the torch but keeping that level there. No, uh, most of the veterans now want people to surpass them, and I already want to, period. They don't need to tell me twice. Like, that's the goal. That's what what's that? in you, mind. You already did what? Um, they already want people to surpass them. They're like, when, you know, when our, the younger artists pass on the torch of keeping this industry alive, we want you guys to do even better. And I'm like, you didn't need to tell me twice. That was the plan. Well, pre-COVID-19, <laughs> pre I mean, I've heard that you, you've done, you've been on a lot of sets uh, for, I believe, student films, right? Mm -hmm. So how, how, how do you go about getting those kind of jobs? Now, are those paid jobs or are those more, because they are student films, I don't think they make money off of them. No, no, they don't. Um, how do you go about, you know, finding all this information? And, and it's mainly students from film schools down in New York City. Mm -hmm. Columbia, Brooklyn College, stuff like that. So you have to be really aggressive and assertive in searching a bunch of different sites, um, joining Facebook groups, uh, being active on Instagram. You have to find every little nook and cranny where people exist who are talking about this sort of stuff that exists. Even groups that aren't, if they allow you in, some of them are closed groups. If you're not in that industry, they won't let you in. But like even like VFX groups, people who are like, oh, we work in film, but it's for VFX. But if you're just a regular film industry professional here, like, feel free to hang out. It, be in whatever groups you can with people who are working in film and TV because someone will know someone who knows something or someone will be like, hey, I'm working on this film. I just got in for a VFX position, but they need an extra artist to be a day player. They need someone to stand in for a day. Is there anyone here? Does anyone know anyone? You can be like, I know me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. So you can't take opportunities that you're not there to receive is the is the big thing and um making sure you have a website making sure your instagram isn't your website for real professionals don't want to see that it's fine to have an instagram and they're more than happy most of the time to flip through that real quick and see some things but if you don't have a proper resume or cv um an imdb if it applies to you yet 
and a proper website, it makes you look bad. Are you on ID? Uh, are you on IDMV yet? Oh, I'm. Yes, I am. <laughs> How giddy were you when you I found am, out? I was like, oh my god, I'm on IDVM. I'm really, really uh, happy and proud to have my. For I want to say I have like three credits on there now. Um, you know that you can't you can't just post anything and any old thing on there. It's a it's a big deal to have uh legit credits on there. So it, it well, it's feels one of good. the biggest websites on the planet. So of course. It, it feels good to be vetted by them where they're like, This information is accurate. This is a real movie credit. You know, you're allowed to have this and know that that makes me stand out amongst other artists where it's like I'm IMDB credited. What was the what was the first credit you got from that website? What film? I got it for a student film that won some awards in the uh, indie circuit. Um, really short film. It was like maybe like 10 minutes. It was for Molly Jang's 275. Okay. And that was my that was my first one. Explain to everybody how much fun it is to drag around that kit because I've seen it. This thing, ladies and gentlemen, it's literally the size of... It might as well be a big carry-on, and it weighs like what three hundred pounds. It's or a something? big, it's a big train case. What if it was sitting on this table? It's you know, and here's like you know half my body. If I sat it on here, it would be like here. See, you can't even see it on the screen. I don't think um, about that wide, about that deep. They're heavy, man. And then you usually have other shit you're carrying too. Your set bag, you got a bag on top of that. You're clipping things to it. You get a workout. Bro. And, and, and you're not even, how do I put this? The you're just heavy. getting in, you're just getting into it. But how much money, if I may ask, how much have you sunk into this? This is just, this is a kit. Is it, are we talking four figures or, I mean, I've always wondered, I've been meaning to ask you that. Cause again, I've seen those things and it's closer like, Jesus Christ. To, closer to five now. <laughs> I would say it's, closer to especially now with some time the initial investment had to be around oh god thousands of dollars we're definitely over 5k we're closer to 10k than not that's what i would say what do your friends in the fgc think of you camille the makeup artist for movies do, do many of them know i think a lot of them do people who are close with me or like follow me actively on twitter or whatnot i think a lot of them do and a lot of them are super supportive it, it really makes me feel like yeah keep going even when i'm like feeling beaten down or like i'm like i don't know if i can do this i don't know if i can do this they're like no you're fantastic or like you know keep fighting if you give up the person who's letting you down is you which i appreciate them saying a lot of people don't like hearing that but it's a rough truth sometimes if you if you legit just on your own tap out of something and you want to be upset about that, you let yourself down. Of course. That's what I believe. Some people might be like, that's too harsh. Of course there's nuances, but I think like in a, in a general way of speaking, like you're absolutely able to let yourself down. And a lot of people do that and it, it shouldn't be your first go-to. And I know, but, a lot um, of, I know a lot of people say, well, it's all work ethic, work ethic. Work ethic is great, but you also have to have the confidence to want to move forward. And luck. You, oh, yeah. So it's, it's all about maybe knowing, knowing some people within where they could vouch for you but it's also like i said you know it's work ethic confidence knowing knowing people and not putting because a lot of people put themselves down yep you know 
you're obviously somebody who's like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I want to aspire to be better than my heroes or the people you look up mm-hmm. to. A lot of it's how you carry yourself. You know, there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. One thing the industry does not tolerate is, like, people who think they know it all. The point is that, like, until the day you die, you're always learning, period. Um, if you think you don't have room for improvement or learning, you're not going to be welcomed back onto a set. People aren't going to want to work with you. People aren't going to take you seriously. Um, and it's just, that's just not how I feel in general. I'm like, if I can keep learning, keep expanding, keep improving myself, why wouldn't I want to, you know? Um, but yeah, overall people have been like super supportive and like really into it. Like ask questions of like, how did you do that? Or how does this work? Or how does that work? Or, um, how is it on set? That's really great. The only time I would say, I'll get into some tea here. Ooh, here we go. Um, this is the good stuff. The only time I would say, like, Twitter gets a little exhaustive for me when I'm not in, like, on one of my accounts that's for dedicated for movies and film and, like, talking about that is when, like, people who might enjoy something on a base level, like, enjoy film or television, just on, like, a regular consumer base level, start talking about things and they're not super educated on it and they don't understand what they're saying or they're kind of talking out their ass, like me knowing things more deeply as someone who's like super consumed and passionate about that side of the arts, but also like has to work on it professionally. So I know how the sets are ran. I know what goes wrong in in productions, what can go, all, all the different things that can happen. When I see people like with bad takes or just talking out their ass, it, it, it can be very frustrating. <laughs> it can be so frustrating. They're like, well, I think that was stupid. Or I don't know why they did that. Or they don't understand the difference between like bad acting and bad directing. That's so annoying. They'll be like, that, this actor is terrible. And I'm like, that actor did what they were supposed to do brilliantly. The director is shit. And they're like, no, that actress is bad. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> I got to leave. I got to leave. <laughs> What's a regular day like at a set for you? Busy, never sitting down. Um, feet aching. But yeah, busy. Really, really busy. Um, depending on the size of uh, the talent, the talent pool, and how many people I'm working on. You know, you got you to gotta move, move, move. Uh, if you're on time, you're late. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a big thing you want to be there no more than 30 minutes early but at least like 15 to 20 that's the sweet spot um you don't want to be there way earlier before like your department head or everyone else is there your director what's the matter they think it's like oh look she's trying to show off they're trying to show off i mean it's just it's just stupid because you could be getting more rest and it can also be a liability if you're there waiting on set alone if something happens now yes. we don't know you know, we all kind of want to semi be there together, and also it's like you, you don't have to you don't have to worry about that. It just going too far with something can also be an indicator of bad judgment. I remember so. I saw some work you did uh, with Mike Afrodynamic for anybody who wants to know, where he put it. I think it was you, or maybe it was him who put it up on Facebook, and people legit thought he got into a fight. Oh. <laughs> Understand, like they're like, oh my gosh, are you okay? I'm like, this man is sitting here with a gouged out eye, and you're asking me if he's okay. Are you okay? Like, do you think it's a joke or do you think it's real? Are you really just asking your friend who has a gouged out eye, like, oh my gosh, what happened? Are you okay? If it was real, I'd be like, no, I'm missing my eye. (laughs) Was that uh, was that just you practicing at home or was that on the set? Oh, that was me practicing at home. 
Oh, it came out perfect. It's it's sorry we don't have any pictures to show you guys this, but you watch this girl's uh, work. It's pretty impressive. Oh. Oh, you got some go. pictures? Oh, no. I mean, I do, but I get to do the thing. And I guess this is for everyone, uh, every, all our viewers and everyone at home, too. I use they, them pronouns. I am a gender. Respect it. If you don't, I'll fight you. I will actually hit you 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 respect me okay. ralph's cool <laughs> ralph's cool we don't fight ralph ralph's a homie but anyone else no i do throw hands and i have been known to throw hands so if like you fuck with me or get in my fucking face or like make me mad i will hurt you so <laughs> don't fuck with her <laughs> don't please like i've been through too much i know too much i've been through way too much in my life to just let people do any old thing they want i don't i don't mess with that shit but um we were talking about pictures. I do have pictures. I don't know if I'll grab them from my phone. I have my phone right here. Oh, we'll leave that for later. Yeah, yeah. I might just like link that. Like otherwise, like hey, if you're wondering about the pictures we were talking about, here are the pictures. But yeah, it was really weird. Um, he went out to the bodega to get some like fucking food, and he kept it on. He was like, no, I'll keep. it Oh on. yeah, I, I was about to like, say what. <laughs> but I felt real good because man, let me tell you, you should have you should have chased him around with a video camera. Just just be like, oh my god, somebody helped this man. I'm just here for a sandwich. That that eye, <laughs> the iPhone latex piece. I those edges were blended to fucking filth and that color match because remember i had to paint those foam pieces like there's a big huge piece on his nose that's not supposed to be there and that whole piece on his eye is not supposed to be there i color matched him exactly i was so proud of that it looks exactly like his skin you can't you can't differentiate yes yes yeah you're absolutely right i mean i knew what was going on i'm like eh, it's but <laughs> the, the reaction to it was utterly amazing thank you, you. Know, we go from makeup and maybe it's a correlation. Do you do any cosplaying? I know you cosplayed, uh, if you want to call it cosplaying, Beetlejuice. And those pictures were awesome. But do you well, do it wasn't even a cosplay. <laughs> it was just me, like, showing off all my Beetlejuice-looking clothes. <laughs> like, I just wanted to show off all, like, the stuff I have. That wasn't even all of it. Is that considered cosplay? No. What is that considered? Just You're cos- wearing merchandise. Uh-huh. That's like, it's like if I said, like, you're wearing your Power Rangers shirt. Mm-hmm. You're cosplaying Power Rangers. Well, I'm wearing a shirt with all of them in it. If I was wearing a shirt with just the Red Rangers, you get what I'm going with that. Yeah, but yeah, it's not cosplay. You have to be like actually dressing up like as the character as they present themselves like in the show or movie or whatever it is. Um, but I have cosplayed once before. Um, I went to Distant Worlds. Some year- I've been to Distant Worlds twice. It's a Final Fantasy concert. Um, I heard some great things about it's a, that. It's amazing. I got to meet Nobuo Uematsu and shook his hand, and he signed my Kefka glove. So, oh, sweet. Kefka, the best and I have Final picture Fantasy with him. villain of all time. Love him so much. Him and Mateus are my favorites. But um, What was that experience like? Final Fantasy, uh, what's it called? Uh, Distant Worlds. I've heard, again, like I said, I've heard nothing but good things about it. I've been meaning to go. How, how many times have you been to it? Twice. Uh the first time, it's something's always different the first time, but um, it was, the first time was like a near, like, religious experience. It was, I'm a big fan of, like, the symphony. Mm-hmm. Um, I love music. I love classical music. I love orchestra, all, all of that. So it was, it, it was truly something special. And then to be so close and um, Nobuo came out on stage to, help do the course for uh one winged angel that was 
so cute. It was so it was so cool. It, it was just it was just so much fun. It was just so much fun. And he's one so wing sweet. danger. That's the Sephiroth theme, right? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'll I'll do my best to try to make it out there again. I I've just heard nothing but great things about it. It's one of those things as a gamer. I've heard that you have to do your best, especially if you love Final Fantasy. If you love video game music, gotta go. If you love music in general, especially if you appreciate orchestra, you have to. Um, I was able to make meet Nobuo uh, cosplayed as Kefka, so and I did my face and everything. People loved it. Um, everyone was like getting like real into character, like and like doing things. Like I had people like bowing to me, and that was so freaking cool. My head was so fucking big, you couldn't get it through the goddamn door. Mm-hmm. I was like, peasants. <laughs> Did you poison anybody's water? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I love about it. Um, but going back to cosplaying, <laughs> what are, what are your experiences with that with that community? I don't have much of. No, oh, I have no commu- uh, I have no experience with it. I mean, I've seen people. Some of the stuff that some people put together is utterly amazing. I recently mm-hmm. went to the Hudson Valley Comic Con. Uh, what was it last year or maybe two years ago? And somebody had their full getup of the. Um, oh Jesus Christ! What's the movie with the big robots? The American-made movie, where. Um, the heck was that movie? It's a lot of, oh, Pacific Rim. Yes, Pacific yeah. Rim. They had yeah. they were cosplaying the blue robot, the main one, and nice. he, and that yeah, I guess yeah. that's his name. But he had the fan working and everything. It, that stuff is amazing when when done right. Mm-hmm. But what mm-hmm. is your experience with the cosplay community? I know a lot of cosplayers, and they're all super cool people. They get a lot of bullshit. I think that's whack. Um, but a lot of them are good. You know, there's gonna be bad people because there's just bad people in general like that do everything and anything you know you get your bad eggs but in general i've had such positive experiences with them um men women and everything in between or lack thereof they've been wonderful um a lot of my close friends are cosplayers following like with what they do the time they put into this stuff it and the skill it takes like making garments and sewing and it's it's next level it's really next level shit yeah the Um, people who take that seriously god bless them it's uh i i don't know how the heck they do this stuff they're obviously more skilled than i am at making clothes and putting together all these threads and garments it's it it really is amazing it's uh it's it's just props props to them because that, that it's is stuff I world, can't, yeah. I, it's stuff I can't do. People will assume I, because I know makeup so well that they're like, oh, well, do you do like hair work and wig work and like costuming and stuff? I'm like, no, th- th- those are two completely different departments for me. And they're just two completely different skill sets in general. So uh, I can do like, you know, hair for like TV and movies, like basic, you know, stuff. But when it comes to wig work and, uh, you know, hair ventilation and um, sewing and making costumes, you know, editing costumes, coloring things. Like, I don't know anything about that. Don't ask me. I'll ruin your shit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is such a different skill. And it, it's fucking rad that they, so many of them know it to the level that they do. Why do, why do cosplayers, at least the top ones, um, there's a few of them, but why do they get crap? You know, why do they get shit, as you said? Is it because they bring it upon themselves or... No. Is it just... Never, never, never. Is it just some people who look at them as like, you're my fantasy and... Well, that, there's gross shit. Um, 
not every cosplayer is a woman, so there's different, well, it all kind of stems from the same issues a lot of time, but since I'll, I'll speak for the majority, since uh, most cosplayers are women, it's misogyny. What's new? <laughs> <laughs> What's fucking new? Like, but, you know, it tends to get nipped pretty quick, or, you know, they end up having a personal fucking problem with the cosplayer themselves there are some you know some people are like very like non-confrontational that's fine but i do know confrontational person people and i am a confrontational person so you know it either gets nipped by someone else or the person gets kicked out or whatever deservingly so or you know they're getting told by that person or their significant other like yo keep this shit up i'm about to bust your shit in and they're like okay so like i don't know people forget that i'm like you're gonna talk to the wrong person the wrong way (laughs) you're gonna be regretting it regretting it and people are like well you can't just hit people says who they'll kick you out too let them kick me out i hope they do (laughs) let them kick me out (laughs) well you're trying to transition while you've been doing the makeup gig for quite a while now and I'm sure that has cut down your time on the FTC. And these are people that are, lo- are they going to be longtime friends for you? People that you're just never going to forget because for you, life. Yeah, they're for life. So with the limited time you have in the FTC, what do you do to help out, especially the vampire savior community? I know you're a commentator. I know you've gotten some shit from Twitch um, streamers watching. Oh, why is she commentating? Well, for once, she actually knows what she's talking about. You know, let's. Logic says let's have somebody who knows what the heck they're talking about the game, you know, actually commentating. But besides commentating, with your limited time, what do you do to help out the community? Just interact and be there with my friends, retweet stuff. If, you know, there's events going on or whatever and I'm there to see it or I know what's going on, I'll retweet events, uh, retweet schedules, you know, people are looking for matches, retweet that, you know, just try it. And just, of course, talk to my friends who are playing. Um, just show that they're supported and they're loved that I'm still here and I see them and I support what they're doing. And uh, when I'm able to go out to things and, you know, commentating is needed, which oftentimes it is, be there to commentate. Do you also run brackets if need be? I've ran brackets a few times. It's something I enjoy, actually. Like, it keeps me... It can keep you from from playing, and I and I do enjoy playing, even though I wouldn't say I'm great at it. But just helping and being there and knowing that you're like contributing, even if it's a little bit, or even if it's every once in a while, that's what matters to me. So um, just knowing I can have a place or have a voice in the community I love is particularly important, um, even if it's inconsistent. You know, life happens. We're all getting older. Um, you know, people are either married or getting families or moving up in jobs, you know, so it's like, you know, stuff happens, but, um, do you see yourself a day where you're going to have to leave it behind? I don't think, I don't think entirely. There's not many people I know in my life. Physically there. Do you see a time where you're basically going to say, I, you know, I, I love you guys. You're my friends for life, but I just can't go out there anymore. I have too much going on in my life and. This was always a hobby for me. This is a passion for me, part of my life. Do you see yourself that happening to you one day? If I'm not already preoccupied with something else going on and I have the means to go on out, I'll always see myself going out. Unless something is really actually preventing me uh, either time or I have a prior commitment, 
I, I'm, I'll never see myself uh, stopping. I'd have to be injured, broke, and unable to go for one other re- for some reason, or like working, or otherwise preoccupied, like taking care of family or doing something important. It would have to be important. Well, it's a close knit really community, like you said. Keep me away, and then like even if I can't go to like big majors or anything that are like far away or whatnot, I'm still in New York. I still do things at next level. I can still do things on the on the East Coast. You know, if it's close enough. So, um, oh, excuse me. So now I don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, and again, like a lot of people were like, oh, well, I might only be able to come out to a huge thing once a year, once every two years, maybe. Cool. You're still helping. That. Yeah. If that's it's what support. you can do and it makes you happy, if that's what you can do and it makes you happy, it's not about anyone else. Unless someone's paying your way. And making sure you come there and taking care of you. Like, people have to stop. There's a whole guilt trippy thing that goes on, too, with, like, go to your locals and go to Tormas, da 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 People will go when they can go. I will be there when I can be there. If you pay me to be there and I don't go, then you can be mad. If you're not paying for my food, my stay, my gas, and my entry, please leave your opinion of me not being able to go somewhere at home. Leave it in your mouth. Don't put my name in your motherfucking mouth. First of all, that's really how I feel. The only other time you can talk about people not going places is if they're always talking about people not going or being like, you know, this scene sucks or no one's playing da 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 blah, 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 blah. And then they don't go out. Don't, don't throw stones in a glass house. But for folks who are just like, you know, I, I can't go. And they're like, you never show up at events or whatnot. And they're like, I just can't because of work stuff. They're like, excuses, excuses. I'm, I hate that. I hate that so much. You are not in anyone else's pockets. If someone can't go, someone can't go. I'm not putting fucking video games above my bills and my job. I don't know. People be tripping with that. And that's, oh a, that's a weird mentality. It's. When I was hardcore into it, you're right. A lot of people like had that weird backlash. It's like, well, you're not welcomed here. You only come here once a year. It's like that's when I can come. Exactly. Life gets in the way. Yeah. Some of these people are just. This is their life. And the craziest thing is, we don't we don't put you down because of that's what you want to yeah. do. It, what's wrong with me coming over here, showing support, paying five dollars for me to play UMK three? Yeah. At a, uh, you know, I won a shocks tournament. And if for some reason, if you don't like me for a good reason or for a whack reason, if you don't like me, fine, don't fucking talk to me then. If you don't like the way I look, the way I act, the way I talk, the my general vibe, don't look at me, don't breathe around me, don't say nothing to me. If you don't like me, then stay the fuck away from me. Firstly, so I don't get when people have anything to say. Period. If you don't like someone, stay away from them. I do not get it unless they are harassing or hurting you or otherwise in inciting an unsafe atmosphere or environment or inciting you know like bigotry or something if they're doing something that's not conducive to a safe environment for all involved then let them go i've never seen the F i will say this in the fgc i have never seen people who talk so openly about hating other people but are so obsessed with that person. I've never seen people so obsessed with the people they say they hate in the daggone FGC. Like, that just doesn't click for me. If I didn't like someone that much, I would try to think of them as little as possible. Or you just look like <laughs> me, I just ignore them. Yo, facts, I'm like, I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna go about my way. I'm not even thinking about it. Exactly, it's, uh, 
it's a weird mentality, but it really is. Listen, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Great interview. Ah! Oh, careful there. Where could people reach you? Hold on. Oh wait, hold on, folks. You I guys, know. some beer went down the wrong hole. It's on my lip. Okay, I'm fine. <laughs> so again, where, where, could, where could some people reach you? Where could they see your um your work by all means? Oh, okay. So if you want to connect with me just in general about anything, get my other handles, my gamer tags if you want to play some games, just hit me up on Twitter. That is the quickest and easiest way. I'm at cool, C-O-O-L underscore Cam Yoin, C-A-M-Y-O-I-N. Um, hit me up there, DM me, tweet me. I'm around. Um, if you want to follow my professional Instagram for like my makeup and different film stuff I do, that's at C.M. Harris Makeup. And folks, that's it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank I appreciate you. it. Bye, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a KPB MediaWorks production.